Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehila Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah. This is Ryan Cabrera, your co-host, and I'm very excited today because we are going to give you guys the audio from the Shabbat message from this last week. You know, sometimes... Uh, listening to messages via like the podcast form can just be a lot better of a way to absorb the information and receive it into your spirit. And for those of you that want the Cliff Notes version of the book of Leviticus, you have finally got it. Pastor Nick and I, this past Shabbat, we sat at the pub table and we just went through a survey on the book of Leviticus. And I just pray to God that you guys receive this in your spirit that you, you take it in, you realize the principles in Leviticus are re, uh, relevant to the believers today, and that you can receive it. And as always, if you want to reach out to me uh, with any questions, or you need prayer, or anything like that, you can uh, reach me at ryan at twopraise.net. That's ryan, R-Y-A-N, at twopraise.net. Uh, we love you, God bless you, and enjoy this message. Shabbat shalom, everyone. I'm Pastor Nick Plummer with Bay Tila Congregation. We are, of course, located in beautiful downtown Brandon, Florida. That's right, just uh, just east of Tampa, Florida. And I'm here with uh, another host, uh, Mr. Ryan Cabrera, a, 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 of course, a brother from another mother. But uh, he's, he's a good disciple, and uh, uh, I have him here to, uh, to share as well about the, uh, the book of Leviticus. But before we get into the survey on the book of Leviticus, I want Ryan to share with all of you that are watching uh, how well the podcasts have been going every, every week and, and some numbers and different things, because I tell you, it, it's pretty outstanding. Yeah, so for those of you that are watching that you've never listened to the podcast before, uh, we've been doing a podcast on the Torah portions for the last two and a half uh, Torah cycles, and we call it Christians with Torah. Now, we could have called it any number of different things. Um, we're in the Hebrew Roots movement or the Messianic movement and all these things, but what we wanted is we wanted to focus on what the podcast was going to be about. And yeah, the Hebrew roots is, is maybe, you know, what we say we used to, we're teaching the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. But many people have a lot of things they think about when they think about the Hebrew roots. And for us, we wanted to say, hey, who are we? We're Christians. We believe in the fundamental Christian doctrine. We believe in uh, Yeshua as Messiah. We believe that Yeshua is Yahweh. Yahweh is Yeshua, that they are Echad. Um, and all of the other things that come with the fundamental Christian doctrines. But we also believe that the Torah is relevant to Christians today. The teachings and instructions of God are relevant for us as believers. And so we wanted to just say, hey, you know what? There's a lot of things that people say, misrepresentations of Torah. We wanted to you know, kind of pull the veil back and just show people, hey, the Torah is just God's teachings and instructions, loving instructions from a father to his children. And so every week on Tuesdays we record it, and usually it's out by Tuesday afternoons. Uh, we do the Torah portion for that week, and we start, you know, at Simchat Torah with Genesis one, and we go all the way through and all five books. You also do uh, interview some some guests as well, yeah. <laughs> That's true. We do interview some guests, and I would recommend you guys go back and listen to those. But I wanted to give you guys a quick update. Um, the podcast has been going very well, and in season one, uh, which was the Torah cycle from 2017 to 2018, 
uh, we had 7,300 listens. Now, in the beginning, we thought that was great. Obviously, there's not a ton of Christians out there like, yes, Torah! Right. So we didn't think there was a lot of people searching for it necessarily, right? But also uh, from season two, which was 2018 to 2019, this last Torah cycle, uh, we did 12,400 listens. Now, that's an awesome number for us. We were just blown out of the water. Wow, that's 1,000 listens a month that people are taking the time to listen to the podcast. And we were th- we just over the moon about that. But guess what? This year... Maybe it's partially because of uh, the pandemic that's been going on and the restrictions where people are at home. You know, I listen to the podcast, uh, you know, in the car or any other podcast, I listen to it while I'm mowing the lawn or doing any work that doesn't require a lot of brain power. But, you know, I have the time to, you know, take in the information and listen, you know, get it into my spirit. And so this year, uh, just the first half, we're actually right at the center point of the tour portions. We've already had 11,000 listens this Close year. Close to it, yeah. A couple hundred more. We'll hit 11,000. <laughs> wow, man. That is that is incredible. Almost 11,000 listens. So that that's what means we're projecting about 22,000 listens for this season of the podcast. We couldn't be more thrilled about that. If if you don't listen to the podcast or you're not used to listening to podcasts, you know, audio is a um, a great way to, to take in lots of information. Um, you can find it. Uh, we upload it to SoundCloud. So if you have Android or Apple, you can download the SoundCloud app and then just search Christians with Torah. You can do it from your home computer, whether you have Windows or Mac, um, in any browser, and you can just go to soundcloud.com and search within that website, Christians with Torah. Or if you have Apple uh, or any other, if you say if you're a podcast listener, whatever app you use for podcasts, you just search Christians with Torah and you can pull it up. Um, you can also search Beit Tehila uh, and do that as well. And so if you guys wanted to reach out to us, uh, we would love to hear from you. Um, you can email me at Ryan, R-Y-A-N, uh, Ryan at topraise.net, T-O-P-R-A-I-S-E dot N-E-T, Ryan at topraise.net. Uh, we want to know how you came to Torah. We want to know, uh, you know what your um, thoughts are on the podcast. If you like something, you don't like something, if you have some input or feedback, you need prayer. Um, but most of all, we want to just connect with those of you that are listening uh, who are you? Where are you? Are you belong to a community? Or do you have a home fellowship? Is it just you out in you know the no man's land or or whatever it is? Um, we want to hear from you, so you can email me. Like I said, Ryan at twopraise.net. Awesome. So right before we uh, hit a survey on the Book of Leviticus, I want to say a quick prayer here because uh, I don't want the enemy to steal this word, and I want to br- I want it to bring forth a hundred. Um, you know, fold in, in fruit. Uh, so, so Father, we just come before you, both Ryan and I, and we just uh, we just come before you, and we ask you to please forgive us of our sins, cleanse us of all iniquity, Father, clear our minds, so that we can have the mind of Christ, and that we can share this inspiration that you've placed within our spirits, Father, to share with others, which is of course a a, sur- a survey on the Book of Leviticus. And may you receive all the praise, honor, and glory. And we ask this in the name of Yeshua of Nazareth. Amen. Amen. Also, a quick shout out to the leadership of Beit Tehillah and my staff. Uh, can't do it without you. You guys are hanging in there, pillars in the community. Amen. And we also want to thank all of you that are giving online and even, even putting your offering checks through the door. Uh, God bless you, you know, because we're going to be back together soon. And uh, your giving has allowed us to pay the bills, to, to pay Tico, the water bill, everything that we, we've got to still pay. And we just want to personally uh, thank the community for, for just blessing the storehouse. So without Amen. further ado, let's get into a survey on the book of Leviticus. And if Ryan hasn't told you, 
uh, I'll tell you that this is my favorite book, the book of Leviticus. So once again, uh, it's located uh, in, in the very middle of the Torah. To the left, you have Genesis and Exodus. Here's, here's Leviticus. It's like the meat, the big, the big, you know, the hamburger meat right there in between the two buns. And then, of course, to the right, we have the book of Numbers and Deuteronomy. So let's jump right into a survey on the book of Leviticus. This is just an overview. We can't go into great detail, but I want to encourage you in this particular book. So let's begin. The book of Leviticus is God's manual for his people on how to approach him and live pleasing in his sight. Once again, the book of Leviticus is God's manual for his people on how to approach him and live pleasing in his sight. Okay, now let's move on. Uh, It might be said that Exodus records how Israel became a redeemed nation while Leviticus concerns the cleansing, worship, and service of that redeemed nation. Once again, it might be said that Exodus records how Israel became a redeemed nation, while Leviticus concerns the cleansing worship and service of that redeemed nation. Moving on into a quote by W. Graham uh, Scroggy, a theologian, Exodus begins with sinners, but Leviticus begins with saints. That is, as to their standing. God thinks more highly of you than you do yourself. Amen. He sees your potential. You're his son. You're his daughter. He believes in you. He has hope in you. And uh, never forget that. Amen. Uh, Moving on. Ye shall be holy pervades the book. Ye shall be holy pervades the book. We know that when God married the children of Israel, he wanted what? A nation of priests. And what do priests do? They teach the Torah. The scriptures are very clear, Old and New Testament, that We are kings and priests in his kingdom, so we need to properly represent Yeshua as ambassadors of Christ. We must properly represent uh, our God in his kingdom. Uh, This is very important as we move forward here. This is very important for you to understand. In the book of Leviticus, chapters 1 through 17 teach the way to God. Chapters 18 through 27 teach the walk with God. So once again, there's the way to God, and there's the walk with God. And remember what Dorothy was told, Ryan. What was she told to find the way? Uh, Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. So now we want you to, of course, follow the Torah. So once again, this incredible book is broken up into two parts, two sections. Uh, Chapters uh, 1 through 17 teach the way to God. Uh, Chapters 18 through 27 teach the walk with God. Now, here's a really cool book because in Exodus, it starts with a groan, but it ends in glory. Pretty cool, huh? Mm -hmm. From groan to glory. Well, this particular book uh, of Leviticus begins and ends with consecration. And what is consecration but to be set apart? You know, the, the Lord was saying in Exodus 19 that If you hear my voice and keep my covenant, you will be above all people. Now, that's not some favoritism or racism or prejudice or whatever you want to call it. It's not like that at all. It's simply that your heavenly Father can speak to you and you obey. I love it. You know, Yeshua, one of the most disturbing verses, and I won't get into it, but is when Yeshua says, depart from me, I never knew you. But wait a minute. I did all these things in your name. But he'll say, I never knew you. So isn't that the coolest thing? You know, and, and I just want to reiterate this. You know, me being a father at, at, my, at my home, 
uh, with my children, all seven of them. And, and, and by the way, we are expecting another one at the end of the year. How cool is that? That is but awesome. There, there's nothing that gives me greater joy than my children obeying me and listening to me. You know, it's like when I tell them to take the trash out. I need you to do those dishes. You know, if they just blow me off, it's, it's kind of disappointing. It's disrespectful. There's no honor. And so I really appreciate it when I give them instructions or tell them something or warn them or give them good counsel and they take heed. It really brings me great joy to know that my son and, and, and my daughter are listening to me. And it's the same thing with our Heavenly Father. Even as we get older, we can become stubborn. So, uh, Ryan, do you have any thoughts before we get into the uh, five sacrifices? You know, the book of Leviticus, it's interesting. Um, when I was, a lot of people, I think, you know, they do the whole, like, oh, I'm going to fall asleep when they think about Leviticus. I was listening to um, a pretty popular uh, preacher the other day, and he was mentioning how whenever he reads, you know, the yearly Bible plan that he usually skips the book of Leviticus, and he's kind of like, and everybody laughed. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, let's just say, for example, you were to go to Ikea, and uh, Ikea is this store that if you don't know what it is, you go and you buy furniture, and it comes to you in a box, and you have to put it together yourself. And if you didn't have the instruction manual for it, let's just say that it's not going to go well. You're going to have leftover pieces. It's going to be upside down. It's going to be a very frustrating process. And ultimately, you probably won't end up with the finished product that you want. Well, the book of Leviticus is kind of like that part of the Bible. Uh, there's a lot of pieces in here. It talks about you know, the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. You know, that concept is, you know, just radiates through the rest of Scripture, and you don't get it unless you have Leviticus. And so, you know, when I was a kid, my dad used to call me uh, Flash and Dash because I'd come in, I'd flash, I'd do whatever, you know. You may be familiar with me being Flash and Dash, and then bit. I'm out, and I'm, I'm gone. And so, needless to say, with that type of a, a you know personality, the, I, I wasn't really in the details. I mean, heck, they even say the devil is in the details, right? Which I don't necessarily think that that's true. I don't. I didn't find that in scripture anywhere. <laughs> that the devil's in the details. So the book of Leviticus itself is the meat that holds everything together. It's the instructions. It's that instruction manual so that when you're putting something together, you come out with the finished product, you don't have a bunch of extra pieces, and it actually functions and moves and does whatever you want it to do. And so Leviticus is an awesome book. Um, you know, as I've grown and matured in the Lord, and I've started to try to not be such a flash and dash type of a person, but to really have substance and to, to know uh, what God expects of me, what God wants of me, the concepts and the principles found in Leviticus become more and more important. Now, I know it's your favorite book, and while I'm not necessarily attracted to it because I'm not really that detail-oriented when it comes to, you know, hey, let me read the instruction manual on how to put together this furniture ten times. You know, you know what I mean? This is maybe not my thing, but I do understand the importance of the principles in the instructions, and I think that's, you know, a key piece. And I encourage you guys to kind of feel that same way. Study it, learn it, know it. It's important. And once again, you know, we're, we're simply looking at a lot of principles as well. There's principles to be found in patterns. So patterns and principles, you know, uh, what do they say? Guidelines and guardrails. Yeah. You know, that's, what, that's what God's word is. So let's, let's begin the five sacrifices. Uh, the book of Leviticus starts off with five offerings. Uh, Leviticus chapter 1 and verse 1 all the way through chapter 7 in verse 38. So once again, we're going to go into... Uh, the five offerings or five sacrifices that are found right out of the gate in the opening book of Leviticus. So 
Uh, once again, I want to show you in these offerings or sacrifices, and I want to show Yeshua in these as well. And then you'll begin to understand the sacrificial system in a much better way. So the first offering is the burnt offering. It's found in Leviticus chapter 1 and verse 3 through 17. It's also found in Leviticus chapter 6, verses 8 through 13. Now, what is this all about? It's voluntary devoting all their very being and possessions to God through purifying fire. So once again, this particular sacrifice is totally consumed, and it is voluntary. You do not have to do a burnt offering. It is voluntary. So what's the picture that we have here, Ryan? Well, and I'm going to keep it simple for, for the sake of time. The burnt offering is a picture of Yeshua devoting his whole life and being uh, to coming and accomplishing the will of the Father. That's right. Totally dying on the cross, totally carrying the cross. He suffered, he, he died, and he was buried, and he rose again. But once again, Yeshua totally offered himself. Matter of fact, he said, I came to serve, not to be served. I mean, he washed all the disciples' feet, and we'll talk more about that as we develop these sacrifices. So, so once again, voluntary devoting all their very being and possessions to God through purifying fire. So you don't get any of this. It's totally consumed and, and taking up as a burnt offering. Now, with that, uh, we, of course, know that we give of ourselves. Yeshua gave of himself 100%, uh, our total being. The second offering is the meal offering or the meat offering in the King James Version. Uh, Leviticus chapter 2 and verse 1 through 16, uh, chapter 6, verses 14 through 23. And what is this about? It's thanking God and offering their lives for his service. So remember, it's unleavened bread, Ryan. And so what I love about this is I want to give my whole being to the Lord. And it's funny how, and, and, and I'm always reminded of this, we were all in a desperate situation when we cried out to God. I know I was, and that I was a sinner and everything else, and I confessed for God to save me, and I would serve him all my days. Amen. Boy, that's a vow he's going to keep hanging over your head every day because he saved us. So once again, what does that mean? So if I say I'm, I'm wholly dedicated to the Lord, my everything about my life, my finances, my very well, everything, uh, acts of service come into play now. Well, if you've given yourself to the Lord, now you're going to begin serving him and the body of Christ because you know that you've done that. You can't just sit back on your blessed assurance. You have to participate. You have to actually be a meal offering or a meat offering, and this represents, of course, serving. And once again, it's a voluntary act. This is a voluntary offering, the meal offering that accommodates the burnt offering. So as we develop this, we move into, of course, the third offering is called the peace offering, found in Leviticus chapter 3, verses 1 through 17, and of course, chapter 7, verses 11 through 34. Listen to me closely, okay? Because what we're sharing is life-changing. And I'm just going to say this from my heart. We spend too much time in social media, emails, and everything else. Mm -hmm. Nothing wrong with those things. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong here, but I'm telling you, if you invest in this teaching, you really apply yourself, you're going to begin to see a change from the inside out. Why? Because if you give yourself like a burnt offering, you volunteered this, you volunteered the, the, the serving, the meal offering, the meat offering, what happens in the peace offering? This is participating in the blessings of fellowship with God, Ryan. It's like the storehouse. It's like Beit We're able to do all of this because of a peace offering. 
We're able to show people, look what the Father has done for our community. I mean, look how many years we've been in the community, over 20 years. This is our eighth place, our eighth destination. Thank God, Ryan, we didn't have to go to 42 encampments. Yeah, no kidding. But eight is new beginning. So this, these five acres belong to Yahweh. They belong to the Lord. It's holy ground. We have a beautiful sanctuary that we have resided in for, for over five years. You know, I mean, think about it. I mean, 2013, we're just looking at seven years. Seven years we've been in this beautiful sanctuary. So, so Ryan, we have this peace offering, and whenever we get a blessing, we want to share it with others. So we simply say, hey, listen, I've given my life to the Lord. I owe everything to him. You know, I want to be a living sacrifice, which, by the way, is an oxymoron. I want to be a living sacrifice. I want to give my very being to the Lord, all of myself. And we have these little compartments that we hold on to that God wants to go in there and unlock. And, of course, with that, we serve one another. We serve God and then with that, we get blessings, and then we can share them with others. And that's really what the peace offering is. Now, listen to me. That's the only offering that the offerer can eat of. Mm-hmm. You can't eat from the burnt offering or the meal offering, the meat offering of unleavened bread. But when you give a peace offering, you actually get a portion, you know, family spread. And you can share it with your family and your friends and say, God's blessing has allowed me to incorporate this for you to see. Anything? Thoughts on that being voluntary and, and, and up to this point, Ryan? Well, I mean, the five sacrifices are cool. There's a process built into the five sacrifices, um, as he mentioned, the burn offering and the meal offering and the peace offering, right? So the burn offering being when you come to salvation and you give your life to the Lord. Many of us give our life to the Lord in our heart, but in practice it's difficult, which is why there's still the last two of these five offerings, which we'll get into in a minute. But, you know, it talks about the meal offering and the peace offering, and the meal offering is a grain offering. And what's interesting is the Jewish prayers, um, you know, one of the cool things about the Jewish people and and Judaism in general is that they have a blessing where they bless God for every good thing in their life. Hey, I'm going to the bathroom. Bless God that everything's working, you know, right? Because I would die otherwise. So there's a blessing for everything. But when you sit down to eat, uh, you bless God for whatever the meal is. And depending on what's on the plate will depend on what blessing you say. Now, if there's bread included in the meal, then that's the blessing that you say. So um, let's say that, you know, there's grain. Instead of saying, Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, instead of saying, Hamotzi Lechem Min HaAretz, which is God who brings forth bread from the earth, they actually say, Borei Minei Mezanot, who gives us, you know, various types of grains. What's cool about this, though, is if there's bread, that's the, the trump card, right? It, it takes over all of them. Now, Chamotzi Lechem Min HaAretz, who brings forth bread, lechem, from the earth, haaretz. What's cool about this is that God doesn't necessarily bring forth bread from the earth, right? I mean, we all get it, but he doesn't. What he brings forth is he brings forth the the sprouted grain out of the earth, and then then in participation and in communion with, with us and our service, that's how God brings forth bread from the earth. It's Without us, there is no bread. And so what's cool is when we look at the meal offering and the grain offering, the meal offerings, you bring this unleavened bread, there's a participation with God and with man, those that are serving him with Israel. And the priests get to eat the bread, but not the offerer. But that's a good point. It, it is. And so my, my, my overall point about the blessing over the bread is that we work with God to bring forth bread. And so when we bring bread to God, it's, it's this service. If it represents the burnt offering is salvation, the meal offering is getting, you know, serving in the church, the peace offering is sharing the gospel with others, and then we get into the last two is, is, uh, is you know, 
pursuing righteousness, pursuing Torah studies, pursuing these things in order to prevent sin and trespass and all that. That's it's a, a whole point. process. And, 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 and I want to just reiterate something else, Ryan, that as you uh, prepare the unleavened bread, it's prepared different ways as well. Yeah. There's, there's a pan, there's frying, there's, there's all these different baking, ways of preparing yeah. it, baking. So, so once again, that's something for you to, to look back and elaborate on. It was, just, it was just quite interesting. So let's move on. So the first three offerings, the burnt and the meal or the meat offering, and then the peace offering, these are voluntary, okay? But now let's look at something that's compulsory, and that's going to be offering number four, the sin offering, found in Leviticus chapter 4, verses 1 through, uh, I guess, through 5, verse 13, and then chapter 6, verses 24 through 30. Here we have the sin offering. And what is the sin offering about, Ryan? It's being forgiven because they were sinners. So we've fallen short. Adam and Eve ate from the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they cover themselves with fig leaves, and God says, no, no, no. He put coats of skins on them. So right out of the gate, we know God's principle. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. We're going to discover that. So the question is, where's your sacrifice? So once again, this is compulsory. This is not voluntary. If you want to come to God, you have to have a sacrifice. So, so just so you understand that, you know, we have fallen short. Sin means missing the mark. Uh, it's, it's being forgiven because they were sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Sin's missing the mark. Also, the Torah shows us what sin is. So that's offering number four. It's compulsory. Now, if we look at the uh, fifth and final offering, it's the trespass offering, found in Leviticus chapter 5, verses 14, all the way through chapter 6 and verse 7. And then, of course, it's also found in Leviticus chapter 7, verses 1 through 10, uh, quite a bit of Scripture there. What is the trespass offering for? It's compulsory. Being forgiven for the sins they committed. Being forgiven for the sins they committed. So listen up, everybody. Okay, we do sin in general, but now what about a trespass offering? That, if I do Ryan wrong, it's a trespass. Mm -hmm. You can also trespass against the Lord. Right. You know, forgive us our debts as we forgive our, what? Debtors. Debtors. Uh, the trespass. Remember, uh, you, you'll see it in a, on a ranch or somebody's piece of property, no trespassing. Mm -hmm. And as a child, as a youth, as a teenager, what do we do? Oh, we just cross over. We go in. I get my oranges as a kid, and yeah. I come out. No trespassing. I trespassed against the, the, the rancher or the farmer. And that's what the picture really is. And, of course, you know, we know that... Uh, uh, at this point in time. So all of you understand, uh, as Christians, we should always respect Judaism. So a lot of times people are asking me in regards to Judaism, well, what do the Jews do if they don't accept Jesus Christ as the sacrifice or they no longer have a temple? And I just want to share this little tidbit with you so you understand what they've come up with and what they've done uh, is they had a committee. They came together after the temple was destroyed, no longer giving of sacrifices. They came up with this. Uh, when the second temple was destroyed and the sacrificial system was taken away, the Jewish people replaced it with prayer and, of course, the commandments or the, or the mitzvot, the, 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 the good deed or deeds. And so that's really where they're at today. And you'll see uh, an incredible prayers created by the Jewish people in their prayer books uh, and, and, and everything like that. So just so all of you understand that, as Christians, we should always respect and love the Jewish people and respect Judaism, okay? Because everybody has to make a decision for Christ, each and every one of us. I was almost 25 years of age. And, and so what the Apostle Paul is saying in the New Testament, he basically says 
that the Jewish people are blinded to Yeshua being the Messiah. Okay, but that doesn't stop the fact that there's reconciliation between Jews and Gentiles today or, or Judaism and Christianity. A mutual respect is what we call it. Mutual respect for our faith. So I want to reiterate that. You know, in the times in which we live, there's a lot of anti-Semitism. And I've done my own personal study, Ryan, and for those that are listening, uh, the Jewish people are God's chosen people. Amen. He chose them. They didn't choose him. He chose them. They are called out. Okay, and I'm not here to give them special favor or anything, but, but it's very clear that God made promises to the Jewish people, and he will keep those promises. So as we've discovered these five sacrifices, Ryan, what, what thoughts do you have on that and how they're relevant for today? Well, so as I was mentioning earlier about the burn offering and the meal offering and the peace offering, that the burn offering, that's your, your sacrifice. That's salvation. The meal offering is, is serving. Hey, I, I'm saved. Now I owe everything to God. Now I'm going to serve him. The peace offering now, hey, I've got so much inside of me that God has put here. Now I need to share it with others, right? This is the peace offering. I want to be a blessing, yeah. I want to be a blessing. I want to spread the gospel. I want to spread the good news of what he's done for me. So then we get to the sin offering and the trespass offering, and it's like, well, man, what's up with the sin offering and the trespass offering? First off, why is there a sin offering and a trespass offering? Because in English, if you're trying to, you know, reconcile the two, you're kind of like, eh, you know, what do you do with that? But, you know, I think to the believer this is relevant because, even though you've given your heart to God, you say, I put everything, I'm a burnt offering. There's still things that we struggle with. There's still sin. There's still trespasses. We still have to deal with this. And so God gives us a way to deal with it, even in Leviticus, through the sin offering and the trespass offering, and obviously today through you know forgiveness and through prayer and, and through asking for forgiveness and through the That's sacrifice good. of Yeshua. Now, the difference between sin offering and trespass offering. I've heard two different things uh, about what is the difference between a sin offering and a trespass offering. One is that the sin offering was uh, for the hokim, which is the, uh, uh, the, the laws. The, you know, you'll hear statutes and judgments or statutes and ordinances and things like that. There's different English words when you hear statutes and judgments and ordinances in, in you know, uh, the Torah. Sin in general. Right. But the, or, well, or the laws, the different laws. Right. So the hokim would be those laws in Hebrew that pertain to you and God, right. and the mishpatim meaning the laws that pertain to you and others. So I've heard that the sin offering was when you transgress laws that have to do with you and God, the hokim, and then the mishpatim or the trespass offering was for the mishpatim when you transgress with somebody else, you trespass somebody. However, there's another one that I thought was also interesting because you can, transgress, you can trespass God and man. Right. So for me, I thought this one was a little bit more compelling. The sin offering had to do with restitution. Um, or it has to no do with restitution. Re right, whether there's restitution or not. And so yeah. the sin offering is if there's no possible restitution, right? Right. Somebody died, whatever. Wrong is a wrong. A wrong is a wrong. Then if there's no restitution possible, then you would go the route of making a sin offering. However, if restitution was possible, you would make restitution plus you would make your trespass offering. Those are the things that Because that would be against God or man. You, you would have to do that. Yeah, Think of about course. as an individual, we can sin, yes. but you can't do restitution for yourself. Right. You're just going to be like, hey, I'm not going to do that anymore. I need to do a better job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen. That's awesome. So once again, that's chapters 1 through 7. We're going to get into chapters 8 through 10, which is the laws of consecration of priests. The laws of consecration of priests. Uh, this particular word, consecration, is number 4394 in the Strong's Concordance. It is the Hebrew word, melu. And uh, it means a fulfilling, literally it means a setting of gems or a dedicatory sacrifice. Once again, 
uh, uh, consecration means a fulfilling, uh, literally a setting of gems. He's setting us apart because we're not like everybody else. We're going to do what the Father wants. A dedicatory uh, sacrifice. Once again, the laws of consecration of the priest. And we're going to jump right into this. And just this is an overview so, so you can understand. I, I've done all the work for you to, to review this. Uh, Aaron and his sons are ordained. Leviticus chapter 8, verses 1 through 36. Aaron and his sons are ordained. What are some synonyms for consecration? Well, we have the word blessing, uh, hallowing, or sanctification. Uh, as far as consecration. Once again, three synonyms for consecration. Uh, blessing, uh, hallowing, and sanctification. Setting it apart. So, Ron, let's jump right in here, and let's look at uh, this consecration of priests, uh, Leviticus chapters 8 through 10. Here's a little review here. Uh, here are some bullet points, and we'll get through these. A, uh, a bullock and two rams were needed to ordain Aaron and his sons. So, once again, the tabernacle's fully operational, ready to go, but what do you need? You need personnel. You need the priesthood, and you take the priesthood, and you place them in the tabernacle. In order for them to do that, they had to go through this ceremony. Uh, moving on, all the congregation gathered at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation for the ordination. So it was witnessed, you know, um, in Leviticus 8.3 by the congregation. Uh, Moses washed Aaron and his sons with water. Leviticus chapter 8 and verse 6. So Moses washed Aaron and his sons with water. You know, the, the first uh, thing the priest would do when he would come into the tabernacle and begin to, to, to operate in his particular uh, role, he would wash his feet and his hands. Uh, and, and so, Ryan, do you have any thoughts on this at this point as we move forward? No, I think we're good. I think he's he's loving it right now. We're we're checking it out. Well, Amy. it's just like anything, right? You have this great facility that you build, but like yeah. without the people, you know, we're here in the it's sanctuary by ourselves, building. right? It's nothing. Somebody's got to come in and flip the lights on. And, and that's make it right. Happen. So moving on, here's another bullet point uh, in regards to the consecration of the priest. Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle along with all that was in it. So this is a one-time deal. This is the ordination. This is it. Uh, Leviticus 8.10. So uh, moving on, Moses sprinkled the anointing oil seven times upon the altar. Seven means completion. Uh, and of course, you're going to see some other things in, in regards to the number seven as well. Moses poured the anointing oil upon Aaron's head. So what does it mean to anoint? It means to set apart, to, dis, to, to make a distinction. Okay, so let's move on. These are just the bullet points in regards to the consecration of the priests. Uh, the bullock was used for the sin offering, and the first ram was used for the burnt offering. Okay, Once again, the burnt offering is totally consumed. Nobody's going to get anything out of it. Uh, the second ram was used for consecration. So the, the first ram was used for the burnt offering. The second ram was used for consecration. You know what's interesting is that we just went through five sacrifices. Yeah. And consecration offering isn't one of them. No, it's a special offering. Uh, this is just for the consecration. That's this right. is not even mentioned as your standard ones. This is like a, a special right. one. It's kind of cool. It is, it's very interesting. So now let's continue on because we're going to get into uh, some, some, some really interesting things here. Moses applied the blood of the second ram for consecration on the following three body parts of Aaron and his sons. Now hear me out on this. Moses applied the blood of the second ram for consecration 
on the following three body parts of Aaron and his sons. So this ram was consecrated, set apart. The blood for that ram is now going to be applied to Aaron and, and his sons on the tip of the right ear, on the thumb of the right hand, and on the great toe of the right foot. So, so Ryan, what does, this, what does this show us, these well, three body parts? You know, we're, we're setting apart the priests in order to do the work of God. And through the process, they're using the blood to put it on their ear. Well, what is your ear? This is where you hear. Are you hearing the voice of God? So we oh, wanted yeah. these particular people to be listening to the voice of God. And then your hand, especially your right hand, right? What does it say that uh, um, if I forget the O Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its That's cunning? Right. You know, so it's important to note that what your hand is what you do, the actions that you take, the work that is being done. That's right. That you be devoted and consecrated over to God through the work that you do. And then also on the, uh, the great toe of the right foot, where are you going? Listen to God's voice, the ear. Do the work that God tells you to do and go where God tells you to go. I think that's it, what, It's hearing that's actions and in, in traveling in places. Yep. You know, I, I, I thought about this, you know, and this is kind of scary. Uh, what if someone was sent to your house to follow you everywhere you went and to film you? It's like reality TV. Yeah, I don't want nothing. You know, they to do say with that, that the camera changes what it sees by virtue of its presence. You ever heard that? That's deep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> say that again. So the camera changes what it sees by virtue of its presence. So you know there's a camera, you act different, you say different things. Ah, there you go. You know I like I mean? that. I like that. Yeah. So moving on, continuing in the consecration process, which is very important, uh, the consecration lasted for seven days. For Aaron and his sons, Leviticus chapter 8, verse 33. And uh, would you like to read that, uh, Ryan? It says here, And ye shall not go out of the door of the tabernacle of the congregation in seven days, until the days of your consecration be at an end. For seven days shall he consecrate you. So let's look at the number seven. It means completion. We have seven days in a week. We have seven days of unleavened bread. Uh, we have seven days. Uh, that's actually a... a, a, a of course, of feast days, seven days for tabernacles or Sukkot. And we have, of course, seven branches on the menorah. Mm. So once again, we're moving on because we're looking at the consecration of Aaron and his sons, chapters 8, 9, and 10. So Aaron, uh, we're going to move on now. Uh, Aaron offers sacrifices in Leviticus chapter 9, verses 1 through 24. This is continuing in the consecration process of the priesthood. So here we go. It's seven days for consecration, and then, bam! On the eighth day, Aaron and his sons offered up offerings for themselves and the people. So this is like the, the go, right? So they consecrated for seven days, now it's go time. You want to read uh, Leviticus 9.1? Uh, Leviticus chapter 9, verse 1. Yeah, Leviticus 9.1. Now on the eighth day, which is of course means new beginnings, but let's check it out. All right, so chapter 9... Verse 1 says, And it came to pass on the eighth day that Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. And verse 2. Yeah, go ahead. Then he said unto Aaron, Take thee a young calf for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering without blemish and offer them before the Lord. So eight means new beginnings. Uh, we have, of course, eight people on the ark, Noah and his family. We have the eighth day for the male circumcision. On the eighth day, the male is circumcised. Uh, we have, the, of course, the eighth great day after tabernacles, seven days of tabernacles. And then, of course, we have the eighth great day. Also, we have eight sides to an octagon. You just throw that one in there. And, for how, and how many limbs on an octopus? Um, uh, eight. 
Eight. Yeah. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, there uh. you go. So think about it. So eight is new beginnings. It's really cool. Once again, we've been uh, here on this property. This is our eighth uh, actually, place of residence. So eight is, of course, new beginnings. We're still in the consecration mode, folks. This is very important. Uh, all the congregation drew near and stood before the Lord. Uh, Leviticus 9, 5. I'm going to let Ryan uh, go ahead and hit some of these PowerPoints uh, as we move forward. Yeah, it says uh, in uh, Leviticus 9, 5, it says, And they brought that which Moses commanded before the tabernacle of the congregation, and all the congregation drew near and stood before the Lord. So everybody's there. It's a big party. Uh, now in Leviticus 9, 7, they're going to do some offerings. Here it says uh, in verse 7, And Moses said unto Aaron, Go unto the altar and offer thy sin offering and thy burnt offering, and make an atonement for thyself and for the people, and offer the offering of the people, and make an atonement for them as the Lord commanded. Wow, so now the priesthood is consecrated, set apart, Ryan. And what are they going to do? They're going to serve the people. They're going to do oh their job. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's right. We've got to serve one another. Yeah. Serve one another. We've got to serve the people. Uh, and that's what I love about our staff here. I love our leadership. They, they love people. They serve people. They're always kind and, and considerate. And so that's that's where we're at on that. So so what do you think about that? Well, I think also that, you know, the the priesthood, right, you have the Levites and the priests. And so the priests being the sons of Aaron, the Kohanim, and it's cool because while they didn't get an inheritance, they get all these cool jobs and these cool things they get, you know, to do. They get a whole book, right? I mean, the Levites, right. Leviticus, you know what I mean? It's, it's just kind of kind of neat that, that, you know, when it's just like anything in life, when God takes one thing away and you're like, oh, man, I didn't get to be like. He gives us something But better. guess what you do get to be? You get to be in his presence day and night. Right. Right. You get to be in the tabernacle and working, you know, doing God's work and consecrating the people and helping people and all that. So that's, that's good. It's a good trade-off. What do you got? All right, so uh, Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people to bless them. And uh, in Leviticus 9.22, it says here, And Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them and came down uh, from offering of the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offering. So he went, he made the There's atonement. offerings right there. Yep, and he comes back and he blesses, uh, blesses the people. And so uh, what happens next? Well, the glory of God, right? So now we get to, to experience the glory of God in Leviticus chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. And it says, And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people. And there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat, which when, they all, when all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. So let's get this picture, Ryan. Oh, man. They came out of Egypt. They plundered Egypt. They had all these materials and resources to build something for God, to be his people, to serve him. Oh, yeah. They created the, the place. They had all the materials. They built the tabernacle. They consecrated the priesthood, fully operational, mm -hmm. right? And then the glory comes down for the great grand opening. So would you say that, like, in Exodus— that God put together a pattern for the seven steps to the glory of God. I say, and that now he we're did. getting in Leviticus to see it in action. He did. Wow. So, so everything's set up. So now let's what. Let's look and see what happens when you break protocol. You could be made an example. We're going to go through this. The sin of Nadab and Abihu can found in Leviticus chapter ten, verses one through twenty. I just want to point out two things that Nadab and Abihu did for the sake of time, so we can kind of get through this, but. Once again, we can all be made an example. You know, I heard it said that there's a little bit of Pontius Pilate in all of us. I'm washing my hands washing of that. Hands, yeah. uh, there's a little bit of Judas Iscariot in all of us, of, of a betrayer. 
uh, or even the deniers, a little bit of Peter in us, you know. So keep that in mind as we look at these two uh, examples for, for where they dropped the ball. Number one, uh, strange fire, Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. So simply put, let Scripture interpret Scripture. Let's do a case here. Basically, uh, they did not get the fire from the altar. It was strange fire. Everything uh, as far as lighting things in the tabernacle had to come from the altar. That's why you had these fire pans. You took the fire from the altar and you would light what? The menorah, the altar of incense. But they offered up strange fire that didn't come from the altar. Remember that. And the altar is to continually burn. So that's mistake number one is the strange fire. Number two, we look at alcohol. Leviticus 10.9, do not drink wine nor strong drink, thou nor thy sons with thee. When you go into the tabernacle of the congregation, lest you die, it shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. Now, once again, you know, I don't have time to get into it, but there are some charges against the priesthood found in Malachi uh, chapter 2, verses 4 through 9. You can look that up later. But once again, they say, what? Do not drink wine nor strong drink. So supposedly they had one too many. Don't recommend uh, drinking alcohol and then going to church. And those are the two examples that we can find, uh, of course, in regard to these sins. Uh, Ryan, do you have any last thoughts before we move into the, uh, the dietary laws? I just think any of us can be, you know, they say familiarity breeds contempt, right? So they're there literally for seven whole days through the consecration process. Now they're doing the offerings. So there's a big party, a big hoopla. What do they do? They party, they drink, and then they schlep in and they kind of shirk the responsibility. They do it. Like, oh, geez, you know what? I passed out. Oh, and the altar fire went out. So now right. I need fire, right? Right. What, whatever, the, we, we're just making conjectures. Of course, as to how Aaron this could was happen. the high priest. He made mistakes, but God kept him alive. Boy, did he. He was a middle child, the but, golden calf incident and everything else. In this case, this is setting the precedent for all future priests that, hey, listen, I've put forth the protocol, stick to the script. This is what I want you to do. And they're being held to that much higher standard because they are priests. And I, I just think that, you know, in, in any time, whom much is to whom much is given, much is required, and this is one of those instances where they're they're put here, as Paul says, as examples for us. Right, good to point. Learn from. So this is just an example found in Leviticus. Uh, we're going to move on now. Uh, we're going to look at laws of purity found in Leviticus chapters eleven and fifteen. Once again, we're trying to do a little overview here of twenty-seven chapters. So we're at Leviticus chapters eleven through fifteen, laws of purity, and now we're going to get into the dietary laws which is clean versus unclean, Leviticus chapter 11, verses 1 through 47, the dietary laws of clean versus unclean. I'm going to have Ryan kind of go through this. I'm going to do the PowerPoints. But once again, it's, it's the way to God. So I want to say this right out of the gate. Yeah. God tells us what to eat, what not to eat. I don't believe that Jesus came, Yeshua came, and says the Father said don't eat these things. I say bless them and eat them in my name. I just don't believe that. I believe the Son would honor the Father, and even scientifically uh, proving these things, uh, we we know what to eat, what not to eat. But Ryan, let's go ahead and let you take over from here. Not only that, he's you know over and over again. The the Bible has the theme of be holy, for God is holy, and holy means set apart. How do we set ourselves apart? We set ourselves apart by doing things God's way, doing Bible things in Bible ways. And when we do those things, obviously, you know, clean and unclean comes into play here. And so I, I want to make one one emphasis real quick on clean versus unclean. Uh, 
clean and unclean is the, the Hebrew words uh, tameh and tahara. And what's important to note is that while we in English say clean and unclean because it, it is a, a valid definition or a valid uh, uh, translation of the words tameh and tahara, uh, it's important to note that it doesn't mean uh, you know righteous and sinful. And it doesn't mean clean and dirty. What, it, what really for us to get it on a deeper level is holy or set apart and common, things that are not set apart or prepared and unprepared. And if you think of it from, those, from that regard, then you have a much better understanding that just because something is unclean or just because something is not you know, set apart doesn't mean that it's sinful or that it's dirty or that it's no good. It just means that it's not set apart specifically for the purpose of serving in the tabernacle or serving God in some specific way. So uh, Leviticus chapter 11 and verse 3 says, oh, sorry, we're going to jump into the, the dietary laws now. And we got to keep it moving. Yeah, we got to keep it moving. Lot keep to, it moving, baby. A lot to say about this. A lot to um, say. And, and as you mentioned, the New Testament confirms the Old Testament, and the Old Testament confirms the New Testament. Nowhere in there, and we could go verse for verse, does it ever say that God did away with the Torah, nor did he do away with the dietary laws. Um, Good point. If you'll eat anything, you'll consume anything, right? Meaning media, you'll watch anything. It's just you're letting things There's get no into filter. you. no filter. No filter. So um, what is it that we can eat and not eat? Let's jump into just a couple quick example verses. Leviticus 11.3 says, Whatsoever parteth the hoof and is cloven-footed and cheweth the cud among the beasts, that ye shall eat. That shall ye eat. So that sounds like a command. You shall eat it. So what are the requirements? <coughs> Excuse me. So, um, and then it says in 11.9, uh, it says, These shall ye eat of all that are in the waters. Whatsoever has fins and scales in the water, in the seas, and in the rivers, them shall ye eat. So again, it's There's a, the requirements. It, this is what you eat. So let's go through a list of things that you can't eat. So we'll start with the bad news, supposedly, although this is fine news for me, but, you know, so you can't eat the following things. These are a list of unclean foods that should not be eaten. Cat. Oh, darn. <laughs> Hippopotamus, rabbit, swine, clam, crab, jellyfish, lobster, octopus, oyster, scallop, shrimp, buzzard, Flamingo, raven, alligator, frog, snail, snake, and turtle. That is a list of things that you should not eat should you desire to do Bible things in Bible ways. Um, oh, wait. And then the list of clean foods that can be eaten are as follows. Now, this is not a comprehensive list of either, no, by the way. No, just some examples. Just some examples. So, buffalo, deer, goat, bat, sheep, albacore, anchovy, bass, carp, Cod, flounder, grouper, salmon, snapper, trout, tuna, chicken, dove, quail, and turkey. So all of those are things that are permissible to eat according to the dietary. And, that, and that's, those are clean foods that can be. Oh, I just want to go back to the unclean real quick here and just point something out in my own observation. Uh, in Leviticus eleven nineteen, it says not to eat this. Uh, and the stork, the heron after her kind, and the lapwing, and the bat. Wait, you can't eat bat? We are not to eat the bat. You know, the bat is the only mammal that can fly. Very interesting. Uh, but you are not to eat bat. And, and, and actually, it says that God frowns upon and is not pleased with people that are worshiping bats in Isaiah 2.20. 
Isaiah 2.20, people are worshiping bats. Now, I want to bring this up because there's a lot of uh, conspiracy theories out there in regards to the coronavirus, but I would like to bring to your attention in Isaiah 65, verses 3 and 4, uh, these two scriptures. Uh, a people that provoketh me to anger continually to my face, that sacrificeth in gardens and burneth incense upon altars of brick. Verse 4 of Isaiah 65, which remain among the graves and lodge in the monuments, which eat swine's flesh and broth of abominable things is in their vessels. So like bat soup. The bat soup. Ooh. Now that's still up in the air, but I'm yeah. just saying, Ryan, we are not to eat this. But he's saying he's really upset because... Because they're eating uh, or drinking the broth of abominable things is in their vessels. The, actually, in the Hebrew, it's, it's the word or pieces of meat. Ooh, yeah. So it's like a soup. And it's right here in Isaiah 65, verse 4. I don't want to take it out of context, but it's just something to think about, Ryan. Uh, you, you've went over the things we can eat. Let's go ahead and move on. Uh, let's check out uh, Leviticus chapter 11, verses 46 and 47 in regard to to the dietary laws. I'm going to let Ryan do that. It says here, This is the law of the beast and the fowl, and every living creature that moveth in the waters, and every creature that creepeth upon the earth, to make a difference between the unclean and the clean, and between the beast that may be eaten and the beast that may not So God tells us eaten. what we can and cannot eat. I'm going to leave it at that. We're not here to judge anybody. We're not here to tell anybody what you can and cannot eat. But we allow God to establish this fact. Pretty cool, isn't and it? And how long does he say the covenant is for? It's forever. Forever. And we're not here to, to, make, to make anybody do anything. But we, we, we want to show you a more excellent way. We want to show you a better way to live. Uh, and, and like I said, you know, a lot of sickness and disease comes from eating unclean food and things. So let's move on. We are still in the laws of purity. Let's check out the laws of motherhood found in Leviticus chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Uh, when you have a male child, the purification process is for 40 days total. Uh, if you have a, a son, if you have a, a daughter, a female child, the purification process is for 80 days. Mm -hmm. So, gentlemen, this is simply uh, no intimacy with your wife as she is going through this process. Uh, why the female child is longer, I don't know, but it is something to consider. It's double what it is for a son. So, so Ryan, you can imagine my situation for the end of this year. I am praying for a son. Amen to that. Yeah, amen, brother. High five. <laughs> Give me a high five. Thank you. I'm going for the 40 days of purification for my wife and not the 80 days because this is funny. We can laugh at this. We really, because God's got a sense of humor. But, you know, I had four daughters. I had three sons, then four daughters. And just think about that. I mean, if you love your wife and you want to be with her, we're talking two and a half months, folks. I know I'm going to heaven. I'm a saint. I'm a saint. Four daughters, 80 days each. Oof. Hadassah, Adea, Briella, and Eva. I've got to have a son. <laughs> so we're looking at laws of purity here. And like I said, this is a topic of conversation. You know, we're, we're wondering, you know, what Trump has said and this and that and Nancy Pelosi. And why don't we talk about what God has said? Why don't we discuss these things? So it's interesting. Uh, moving on here, the test of leprosy found in Leviticus 13, the cleansing of leprosy in Leviticus 14, and unclean issues are found in Leviticus 15. And I'm going to have Ryan read Leviticus 13 too. That's the current uh, Torah portion that we're at right now until Friday night. Uh, we're into uh, these particular Torah portions. But uh, Ryan's going to go ahead and read Leviticus 13 too. And, and, of course, leprosy is a plague like the coronavirus. But check this out. So it says here, When a man shall have in the skin of his flesh a rising, a scab or bright spot, and it be in the skin of his flesh like the plague of leprosy. 
then he shall be brought unto Aaron the priest or unto one of his sons, the priests. So, you know, it's interesting with this coronavirus and all the steps people have to take to wipe things down, wash your hands, wear a mask. All these instructions are given for someone with leprosy and the yeah. priesthood. And, and once again, we're going to move on here. But let's check out uh, this word. The word plague is number 5061 in the Strong's Concordance. It's the Hebrew word negah, and it means the following. It means a blow, figuratively, infliction. By implication, a spot, a sore, mm-hmm. stricken, stripe, or wound. So I want you to get this picture because this particular word, plague of leprosy, is the same word throughout all of the, uh, all of the examples of leprosy. It's the Hebrew word, negah, number 5061. It's not another variation, another Hebrew word. It strictly is that. Yeah. And I want you all to know something that uh, Yeshua became a plague for us. Uh, it means a spot or a stripe, like chicken pox. You know, you ever had that? And you have these marks. A plague will always leave a mark, even on society. Even now, the plague has left a mark in our society Boy, and our culture. It. So once again, Yeshua became a plague for us. Remember the cat of nine tails? He was, by his stripes, we are healed. Yep. So he became a plague for us. Boy, that's incredible. We just thank you, Yeshua, for becoming a plague for us, for, for receiving that punishment, that stripe and that wound. And that's what it means right there. And so we have, of course, three areas of contamination. Skin, clothing, and houses can be contaminated. Skin, clothing, and houses, houses can be contaminated in, in these laws of purity. So we're going to move on. Uh, we're going to get into, of course, uh, the Day of Atonement, Leviticus chapters 16 and 17. We're just doing a little synopsis here for you. I'm going to have Ryan read in regards to the Day of Atonement, uh, Leviticus 16, verses 29 and 30. All right, here it says, uh, And this shall be a statute forever unto you, that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, ye shall afflict your souls and do no work at all, whether it be one of your country or a stranger that sojourneth among you. For on that day shall the priest make an atonement for you to cleanse you, that ye may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. Wow, check that out. So there we have it. And I just want to remind all of you, that as we look at this Day of Atonement, right, um, we need to understand something. Uh, two things are at play here on the Day of Atonement. It's a very special day, of course, and what happens is the place is contaminated, and, of course, the people are contaminated. So the, 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 the place has a sin, and the people have a sin. So there's two goats, and the one goat is offered up to, to, of course, bring atonement to the sanctuary or the place, the tabernacle. The other goat, all the sins of the people were placed upon it because the lots were drawn, and it's the scapegoat. Remember that. Right. And, 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 of course, for the sake of time, we can't get into it all. But once again, what is it? It's found in the what? Leviticus 16, which is what? The way to God. So the Day of Atonement is about corporate forgiveness. We always celebrate the Day of Atonement. It's a day of fasting, okay? And it is, of course, uh, after Yom Teruah, the 10 days of all, then we have, of course, Yom Kippur. Time doesn't, once again, permit us to get into this, but Yeshua is our high priest. Check out the book of Hebrews. Uh, and So once again, he is our high priest. So as we get into chapter 17... I'm going to have Ryan read that as well as we move forward. We're still in, in the, in the uh, way to God. I would say that this is, is a key verse. Uh, Leviticus chapter 17, 11 is one of those verses that just has 
so much of what Yeshua did comes back to this verse. Absolutely. And Christian, I mean, fundamental Christian beliefs and theology all center around this verse. Because if this verse isn't there, then what Yeshua did, exactly right. So here it says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for your soul. That, that's incredible. I mean, and like I said, for the sake of time, we just want to do an overview here. So we're going to kind of pick it up a little bit once again, because now we're going to make a transition. Yeah. We're going to go from the way to God to the walk with God. Come, Come on, on, somebody. somebody. <laughs> Leviticus 18 through 20 is about a holy people. Okay. So here's this transition now. Yeah. The way to God is not the walk with God. You're, you're walking with God. So from chapters 18 on, you got to be thinking about this and be be, be cognizant of this, uh, holy people, Leviticus 18 to 20, and here's where it gets to be very interesting. These are sins done in secret in Leviticus 18, Ryan, laws on immoral relations. These are sins done behind closed doors. Now, Pastor, what are you saying? What I'm saying is that if you're listening to this teaching, if you're watching this, deal with your secret sins. They're not a secret. He knows your sins, you know, and, and so we got to set aside that sin that so easily besets us. So let me encourage you as we begin to, to look at this. In Leviticus 18, there's a lot of details here. We're not going to get into it, but you know what I'm talking about. Admit your sins. You need to just have some kind of an action, counsel or deliverance, something. And, and let's say you go three months without doing the sin. That's a praise report. But you've got to come to the place where you don't coddle it, don't accept it. Never accept sin. Call sin, sin, and ask for forgiveness, and God will forgive you. So once again, secret sins. We're moving on here. Uh, go ahead, and, and I'm going to have Ryan read Leviticus 18.30. Yep, 18.30 says, Therefore shall ye keep mine ordinance, and ye commit not any one of these abominable customs which were committed before you, and that ye defile not yourselves therein. I am the Lord your God. Wow, there you go. So once again, secret sins. You're, you're, you're walking with God. He knows what your problems are. Confess them. So let's move on. We're, we're looking at holy priests in chapter 21. We have the regulations concerning the priests in chapter 21. In chapter 22, we have the flawless animals for sacrifice. Remember, give God your best. You are a living sacrifice. Bring your A game. Give God your best because he gave his best through his son. So once again, chapter 21, regulations concerning priests. Chapter 22, flawless animals for sacrifice. Now, once again, time doesn't permit us to go into great detail, but Ryan, why don't you go ahead and hit this slide for us in Holy Convocations, because, man, we are walking with God when we do the feasts. Let me tell you, this is how I came into Torah right here, and just so happens that it's in the book of Leviticus, chapter 23, verses 1 through 44, and it's, it's the feasts of the Lord, right? And, and, and who do they belong to? The Lord, God's they, calendar. They belong to him. He says, even these are my feasts. And so it says here, the, the first one is the Sabbath, the second one being Passover, Third one being unleavened bread. The fourth one is first fruits. And the fifth one is Pentecost. Now these uh, sec- two through five are going to make up what we call the spring feasts, whereas obviously the Sabbath is weekly. And then six through eight, Yom Teruah or Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement, and Tabernacles, those three make up what we call the fall feasts. Awesome. Once again, that, that chapter is so full it's so life-changing, you know. Uh, and now, of course, we're, we're closing it out here. We're moving on. Let's, let's move on because the feasts are just awesome. We're counting the Omer, and we're going to count seven Sabbaths. Yeah. And that's going to take us right to Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, 
uh, or Pentecost, uh, which means 50. Now we're going to look at restitution, uh, an eye for an eye, in Leviticus chapter 24, verses 17 through 21. So this is it in a nutshell. You know, uh, we think, well, you know, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But uh, the reference is this, and, and you can actually find this even in the New Testament. It's all about restitution, right. making a wrong right, okay? And so once again, it's not evil for evil, but it's about restitution. Okay, I did something wrong to Ryan. I want to make it right. That's called restitution. And that's what this is all about. Right. And what does Yeshua even say? You should always make restitution. But remember he says, like, turn the other cheek, you know, give them your shirt if they take your coat. I mean, and go the extra mile. He's not denying the restitution part of it, but what if someone doesn't want to give you restitution? You do unto others as you would like for them to do unto you. Okay, so these are all principles that we're looking at. So let's, let's continue on because that's restitution. Uh, we look at uh, Sabbath year and the year of Jubilee. Leviticus chapter 25, verses 1 through 55. I'm going to turn it over to Ryan uh, in this regard. And, of course, uh, when you're ready to, to read, just let me know. Yeah, absolutely. So the, Hey, you're ready. I am. Look at that. So the Sabbath year is also called the Shemitah. There's been uh, some popular books in the past few years that have come out uh, talking about it, and also the Jubilee, which the Jubilee is the Yovel, yeah, High Yovel, right, which is the 50th year. Um, but what's cool is there's a popular ministry that we, That's we support right. called High Yovel, which uh, means the Jubilee. But uh, Leviticus chapter 25 and verse 10 says, And ye shall hallow the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a Jubilee unto you. And ye shall return every man unto his possession, and ye shall return every man unto his family. So that's very important. It, it is. Well, and it's, it's, it's God's economy. I don't know how exactly it works. There's a lot of details uh, to go into that, but it seems, you know. And, and, and I want to share this as well. You know, when Yeshua was reading from, from the scroll in the synagogue, Isaiah, yep. he talked about the year of Jubilee. Now, we don't know the exact years for these Jubilees. Right. We try to guess and, and, and impose some form of calendar, but, but, but. It's every 50 years is a jubilee, but God knows what the jubilee is and how it works. But once again, uh, jubilee is, of course, every 50 years, and it's celebrated, so there's still a mystery there of when is the next jubilee, when does it even count or matter. So let's continue on. Uh, and I'm going to let Ryan go ahead and, and, and fill out these, these three slides here as well. Yep, so the out. land belongs to God. So in case you were wondering— It doesn't belong to the United Nothing you Nation? For sure doesn't belong to the United Nothing. It doesn't belong to the Likud Party? It does not belong to the Likud party. Okay, what does it say? As a matter of fact, it doesn't belong to any man. Wow, that's good. No, or woman, for that matter. That's good. So uh, Leviticus chapter twenty-five, verse twenty, or chapter twenty-five, verse twenty-three says, "The land shall not be sold forever. forever, for the land is mine, for ye are strangers and sojourners with me." You know what's interesting about specifically things belonging to God. You know, one of the things that revolutionized my marriage is the realization that even though I have an earthly father-in-law, God is actually my wife's Abba. So my father-in-law is God. It changes the way you treat your wife. Right. You're like, wait a second, got to deal with her father. That's good. If I if I deal poorly with her. The same thing goes here. God owns the land. So, you know, how do you treat the land? Do you split it? Do you give up part of it? Good point. Mm, I don't think so. And so in uh, chapter 26 and verse 9, he establishes his covenant and says this, For I will have respect unto you and make you fruitful and multiply you and establish my covenant with you. Boy, some good stuff in there. It is. It is. Absolutely. All to do with the land, right? It's, again, in communion with God. We're now walking with God in this part of the Torah, in part of this part of Leviticus. There we go. Look. I like this verse. Yeah, yeah, and here we go. We're walking, uh, he's walking among the children of Israel. It says here in uh, chapter 26 and verse 12, 
and I will walk among you and will be your God, and ye shall be my Well, isn't that the coolest people. thing? And God walked in the cool of the day in the garden. Praise oh, the Lord. I tell you so what. we're finishing up here. Just a few more notes here, and then we're going to finish up both Ryan and I. But once again, this has been an exciting study, so we're going to continue on here. I'm going to speed it up a little bit. We have consequences. There are consequences. Uh, there's just recompense found in Leviticus chapter 26, verses 1 through 46. There's just recompense. You know, uh, choose life, blessings, cursings, you know. Uh, and then there's, there's, of course, the blessings of obedience uh, found in Leviticus 26, verses 1 through 13. But there's also penalties of disobedience. And it actually goes into, I'll punish you seven times more for your sins. Leviticus chapter 26, verses 14 to 46. So there it is right there. Consequences. Always think about the consequences before you do something. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and so once again, uh, I'm going to have Ryan read Leviticus 26, verses 44 and 45. Once again, these are penalties uh, of disobedience, but let's look at it. So it says here, And yet for all that, when they be in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away, neither will I abhor them, to destroy them utterly and to break my covenant with them. For I am the Lord their God, but I will for their sakes remember the covenant of their ancestors, whom I brought forth out of the land of Egypt in the sight of, of the heathen, that I might be their God. I am the Lord. See, these promises are still good today. That's why the Jews are going back to the land and it's important that, that we understand this as Christians, that God made promises to the Jewish people. So here we go. What about vows? In Leviticus chapter 27, verses 1 through 34, the final chapter, Ryan, here we go. We have, of course, laws of dedicated persons and things. We have uh, animals dedicated to God, houses dedicated to God, fields dedicated to God. I know you, you and uh, the Attilies had little chicks yeah. Little chicks, you know, that you can dedicate them to God. Little chicks, little little baby chickens, you know. But but these vows are important because they're they're to be they're to be of course uh, fulfilled. These these vows of of dedicating these things, which is really really cool. Uh, just like we dedicate these five acres to the Lord uh, to 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 the Lord because it's bait to heal up our community. Uh, moving on here, three things are God's forever. Number one, the firstborn of animals. Leviticus 27, verses 26 and 27. Three things are God's forever. Number one, firstborn of animals. Number two, all dedicated things. Leviticus 27, verses 28 and 29. So Beit Tehillah is dedicated to God. Beit Tehillah belongs to God. Amen. Beit Tehillah is God. God is Beit Tehillah. This is his house. Unless he builds the house, we labor in vain. So we dedicate Beit Tehillah and everyone here to the Lord. Number three, all the tithes of the people. Leviticus 27, uh, verses 30 through 33. So once again, all of you that have given of your tithes and offerings, they belong to God. They are his forever. And you reap what you sow. So think about that. So I'm going to turn it over to Ryan as we continue on. Uh, Ryan, four things that can be sanctified. Let's go ahead and, and you finish it out here. Yeah, yeah. so the four things that can be sanctified. Uh, the first being time, so the Sabbaths and the feast days. Uh, number two being space, a field, a tabernacle, the temple, the sanctuary of Beit Tehillah. Come right? on, where somebody. Where there we you are go, here right today. Uh, number three is objects, so clothing, a tabernacle, furniture. And number four, people. High priest, Levites, Moses, Jeremiah, John the Baptist, the children of Israel. We can see some very practical applications of this with just like it talks about the bowls and the censers and the things that were actual objects that were dedicated to the service of the tabernacle. Same thing with the priests and the high priest and what they did. And I like that, you know, sanctified. Monday from 10 to 12, we have prayer. And that's a set time that's dedicated yes. for prayer. Absolutely. 
And so uh, moving on in the book of Leviticus, chapters 1 through 17 teach redemption and the day of atonement. Chapters 18 through 27 teach restoration and jubilee. Wow. Leviticus begins with consecration and it ends with consecration. And ultimately, when we're ending the book of Leviticus, we can talk about the main theme, right? And you shall be holy. And it says here in verse 11, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 11, verse 45, it says, For I, I am the Lord that bringeth you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye therefore, ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. And of course, this is in the context of the dietary laws, but this verse in and of itself is something that we should all strive for. We should strive for righteousness. We should strive to keep God's commands. You know, we can, we can even say that some of these things that we find in the Torah, some of it maybe we don't even understand. Some of we don't even know, is there a practical a way for point. me to even do this? And if what everyone always says, which is that God sees the heart, if God sees the heart of every man and every woman, then our heart should be to keep his commands, to do Bible things in Bible ways. So just do it to the best of our abilities. And if we do that, if we do that, then I think God's grace and mercy covers the rest. But when Absolutely. we choose of our own volition Absolutely. to cast aside God's ways, I don't think that God just looks away and says, oh, you know, pff, no big deal. Do it your own way. Because he sees our heart. He sees our heart. He sees our heart. So let's, let's, let's sing Shabbat Shalom, Ryan, you and I, and, and, and end on a high note here. And then I'm going to have you close out in prayer. But we want to thank all of you for checking out this survey on the book of Leviticus. Because, once again, it is my favorite book. And, and let me know if it's your favorite book, too. And maybe you'll get a prize. I don't know. But there are 66 books in the Bible. But Leviticus is my favorite book. I hope that we have inspired you and influence you somehow, some way to draw closer to God. So let's do Shabbat Shalom. All right. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat 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 Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat 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 Shalom. Shabbat Shabbat. Shabbat Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shabbat. Shabbat Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat 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 Shalom. Well, Shabbat Shalom, everyone, and Ryan's going to close us out in prayer, and we just really appreciate all of you, and we just pray God's blessing over you. Amen. God, we just thank you so much for your Shabbat. We thank you that six days will work, and on the seventh day we rest. And why? Because you did the same thing, God. And so we thank you for your word. We thank you for your commandments. We thank you for your covenant. We thank you most of all, God, that you keep your covenant with us, that you have not forsaken us, that you love us, that you are our Abba, and that today and on every other day, God, that we can count on you, that we know that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that we, as your children, can look to you with, with our eyes and our hearts open and our hands open, that you will provide for us, that you will love us, that you will give us everything that we need. For these things, God, we just love you and we're so thankful. And most of all, we love you because you're a good God. We love you because you are who you are, that you are the creator of the universe. And God, we just, we just point our praise and our honor to you on this Shabbat. Thank you, God. Thank you for your Shabbat. Thank you for everything you've given us. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for our relationship with, uh, with you. And God, thank you for your son, Yeshua, and for what he did for us on the cross that makes it possible for us to even pray to you and be here with you. We pray all of these things in your son, Yeshua HaMashiach, in his name. Amen. 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 Shabbat shalom, everybody. Shabbat shalom.